0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: It's 9.30 in 716. A deadline looms for New York State pistol permit holders to recertify. But word it won't be actively enforced.
2: I think it's, it's uh, a positive development.
1: Lake Erie, nearly completely ice-covered. Nearly,
2: There's still some open water and uh, it's not at 100% coverage, so that's what's kind of feeding this lake effect.
1: And the so-called alt-right movement. What's behind it?
3: Younger people for whom the right was always very unfashionable. um, I think for them, they kind of turned... With Trump, they kind of turned the right into something that could be seen as vibrant and kind of irreverent.
1: I'm Tim Wenger on the podcast powered by the Brothers of Mercy, a five-star rated skilled nursing residence offering affordable living in a country setting. The January 31st deadline looms for New York State pistol permit holders to recertify. It's a policy that is required by the NY SAFE Act, and it's causing quite a stir. But word this week that the New York State Police won't won't be actively enforcing the recertification. New York State Senator Robert Ort with our Tom Puckett.
4: Well, as someone who uh, is obviously called for a delay moratorium, um, you know, look, I think it's I think it's it's a, a positive development, uh, and I think it's also the governor because there's no way that the state police did this without direction from the governor's office, but I think it's a recognition that, um, you know, this, it's a recognition of a flaw in the statute of the SAFE Act, which has a number of flaws. Uh, and it's a recognition that, you know, if we went forward, you know, the fact of the matter is you had tens of thousands of pistol permit holders who would have been, you know, designated criminals under the statute, um, after february 1st uh and you also had a logistical and a bureaucratic nightmare for our law enforcement officials who would be asked to to deal with this so i think it's a um, it's a positive step we don't want to make gun owners criminals simply because uh, they either weren't aware or they didn't get their you know application uh for recertification uh right at the deadline so let's go about this the right way let's make sure that uh, our pistol permit holders have the information, you know, get recertified, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, I just think it's a uh, it's a practical uh, step, and I think it's the governor and the police just bowing to the reality of the situation.
2: Uh, how helpful will it be for some people who may not have all the information that they need to recertify their pistol permits correctly?
4: Well, I think it, I mean it's helpful in that, in that it. it it prevents some sort, you know, some sort of what I would term it, a miscarriage of justice, where you have somebody who, you know, a 70-year-old person who got their pistol permit many, many years ago, were or, or told it was for life, weren't going to be aware of this, didn't get a notification that they had to recertify. So for that individual, that the the fact that the state police, you know, are going to give them more time and, and not basically confiscate their weapon or or, or prosecute them uh, is a good thing. But we still, I think there's still an onus on the state to make sure that pistol print uh, uh, holders know if they have to recertify. You know, there's a continued effort I think they have to undertake to make sure people are aware and that people are going through the process the right way, Uh, even though, for me, uh, you know, uh, we still make every push and every effort uh, legislatively and uh, governmentally to try and, quite frankly, repeal the SAFE Act itself. So I've told people out there, regardless of how you may feel, you know, let the elected officials worry about repealing the law. You just follow the law. And so um, you know, uh, I would still encourage folks to, uh, to go to the state police website or the Niagara County Sheriff's or Erie County Sheriff's websites, uh, the clerk's websites, Pretty much all these folks have ways to go out and see if you have to recertify. And if you do, then I would certainly encourage people to um, to get that done.
1: How about all that ice out on Lake Erie? It's more than 90% covered, but there is still some lake effect. Lingering, Susan Rose and Brian Mazarowski checking in with meteorologist Steve Vermette at SUNY Buffalo State.
2: Yeah, well, we still have some open waters. Um, the eastern basin of Lake Erie is the deepest of the Lake Erie's basins, and there's still some open water, and uh, it's not at 100% coverage. So that's what's kind of feeding this lake effect.
3: You know, even if it is 100% covered, Steve, could we still get lake effect?
2: Not No, the ice cover would prevent the moisture and energy from getting into the atmosphere from the lake and we would not get lake effect. But it doesn't take much of an opening or a lead uh, to provide enough moisture and energy to do that, although it would be dampened uh, because of the ice cover.
3: It's been so cold here for seemingly so long. Should we be surprised that the lake isn't 100% covered?
2: No, um, we're probably going to tap out at um, 94 or so percent the models are saying before we get that warm weather coming on the weekend. And for the next week or so, we're going to be kind of average or above average in temperature, so I don't see it getting much um, icier. Um, You know, If we look back at the records, um, say the past uh, 45 years, I think that's what they have, the past 30 years of those have been over 90 percent ice cover. So this is not abnormal. What's really amazing about this one is how quickly it froze. How in a two-week period, we went from basically zero ice to 90% ice coverage. Um, and just to show the dynamics of things, remember we had that warm spell, we had that 60-degree, 60 61-degree day.
3: Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: We lost about uh, 25% of our ice during that warm period. So, you know, looking into the future, even though the lake is covered in ice, you know, 90-plus percent, it wouldn't take much of of a warming, you know, through the winter and into the spring to really melt that ice quickly.
3: That's good for... Um I'm speaking as a boater, because it takes, you know, in the spring, I kind of like the last couple of years, we didn't have all that ice cover, and it seemed like we got an earlier start to the season, but now with this ice, we're probably going to have to wait a bit, right?
2: Not necessarily. It all depends what the rest of the winter and the spring brings us, because as I've said, those few days of very warm temperatures melted a lot of ice, and it would not take much uh, to bring it down. So I've heard stories in the past where we talk about you know, uh, a late spring with still ice and so on, and doesn't usually happen. Uh, The weather will uh, warm up and that ice will disappear.
1: Finally this time, it appeared that the so-called alt-right movement sprung up out of nowhere with tiki torches and anti-Semitic chants last summer. But according to a new documentary, the political movement has been quietly building online for years before the 2016 election. Dan Harris, taking a closer look.
0: You might think you know the full story of the so-called alt-right, but a new documentary sheds light on what the filmmakers say is one of the most surprising roots of the movement, sexual frustration. Author Angela Nagel spent more than a year exploring the online origins of the alt-right movement, which she says included communities of single men struggling to find a date. Her documentary is called Trumpland, Kill All Normies. So who are normies?
3: Normies is a term used by the alt-right to refer to uh, essentially mainstream people.
0: Nagel found that many of those outside the norm found kinship with groups of so-called pickup artists and incels. What are incels?
3: They're involuntarily celibate men. And so uh, the the incel kind of um, forum world was very much about... Um, expressing your frustration with being celibate.
0: The documentary traces a community of men who act on their frustrations, including a mass shooter named Elliot Roger, who went on a rampage at UC Santa Barbara in 2014, which left six people dead. Nagel says many of these young men came to believe that feminism was the central problem. Nagel says this burgeoning online movement found its perfect foil in what it saw as the excesses of political correctness on college campuses, giving way to so-called safe spaces and a hierarchy of perceived injustice. We got a sense of what critics of the left say they find so objectionable on a recent visit to the University of Utah. Ben Shapiro, a conservative... Uh, commentator and podcaster showed up on the campus, and there were protests against him. and I interviewed uh, one young person who had been vowing to shut the event down. And I said, "Well, that doesn't really comport with the First Amendment. I don't care. You don't care. I don't care. Why not?" I don't think that's a, like, relevant document right
3: now. This, like, very hardline anti-free speech kind of campus culture was revealed as being quite terrifying to a lot of people who were, you know, very much in the center politically, and they found themselves sharing kind of alt-right memes.
0: While the alt-right gained fuel from its perceived enemies on the left, it also received an enormous injection of energy from then-candidate Donald Trump.
4: The American dream is dead
3: I will bring it back younger people for whom the right was always very unfashionable um, I think for them they kind of turned with Trump they kind of turned the right into something that could be seen as vibrant and kind of irreverent
0: this anarchy online became all too real in many people's minds over the summer in Charlottesville
3: I think Charlottesville was the moment when nobody could really, with a straight face, say that that this was irony anymore.
0: In the documentary, Nagel attends the National Policy Institute's annual conference, a white nationalist think tank led by Richard Spencer. What if
3: it came down to either your vision never happening or having to have that violent confrontation? The
2: existence of my people is not negotiable.
3: But what if, they don't, what if they don't want to go along with your movement?
2: We'll force them to be free. Through
0: force or not, Spencer's alt-right has its sights set on expansion, possibly moving far beyond traditional party lines.
3: I think that they are quite strategically clever, and they know that they can potentially drive a wedge where there is already um, a bit of tension on the left.
0: How do we move forward from here as a country? Nagel says the solution lies not on the extremes, but instead with the rest of us, the so-called normies, finding a way to live together. We're back tomorrow. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. Buffalo.